Hi, this is Anna East Eden. You're listening to Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham. Enjoy! Greetings, friends and listeners. Welcome to Hollywood and Beyond with Stephen Brittingham, which just happens to be me, your host. I am looking forward to speaking with my special guest today. It is going to be a lot of fun. Stephen Kramer Glickman will be joining me in just a moment. I am looking forward to learning more about him. And I can tell you this, his list of talents include actor, stand-up comedian, often seen performing over at the Hollywood Improv. And he is also a talented voiceover artist. He was a host of a Nickelodeon program called Big Time Rush. And he's even got his own podcast show. So, as you might expect, I'm very much looking forward to speaking with him about that. The Nighttime Show is the title, and it is a lot of fun to listen to, let me just tell you that. As if that wasn't enough, he will be hosting the Family Film Awards at Universal Hilton Hotel in Los Angeles. Well, and I can tell you this, he also happens to have a great first name. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Steve. I appreciate that. Look at just a couple of Steves, just a couple of Stevens hanging out. That's right. And let me ask you, you've got the PH version, I believe, and I've got the V version. Yeah, I think, you know, I think they're both good. I think they're both okay. Um, yeah, PH, you're, I mean, you're lucky to not have the PH. It's a whole lifetime of people saying, um, Stefan? Is it <laughs> Stefan? You're like, yeah, it's Stefan. That's my name. Yes. Stefan, for sure. Totally, man. Like, or is it, is it like short for Stephanie? Like, you're like, oh, come on, guys. Like, <laughs> probably not so, short yeah. for Stephanie if you're, if you're going in. No, I don't think so. Pretty sure. Pretty sure it's just Steven. Well, but yeah, I consider nice, myself thanks so lucky. much for having me. You are most Yeah, lucky. exactly. It is, it is, it's just great to have you here. Very excited to speak with you. I've learned so many interesting uh, uh, things about you and your career, as well as your life. Uh, so I am very excited. And I, I thought before we dived into all of that uh, uh, stuff, I yeah. thought I'd go ahead and discuss the upcoming Family Film Awards over at the Universal Hilton Hotel. If you could let the listeners yeah. know um, just what the award ceremony is about and what your part will be. Absolutely. So the Family Film Awards has been an award show that uh, has been going on for 22 years. Um, lots of amazing uh, celebrity guests have you know come on over the years, including Tom Hanks and Sandra Bullock and all sorts of other wonderful people. And uh, it is just a just a real treat it's it's really a family like event and it's kind of like uh, it really focuses on how important family is and so we you know uh, this year they asked me if I would uh, host the uh, the award show and I said uh, sounds interesting I'd rather uh, if if my podcast hosted the award show, because there's four of us, there's it's me and three other comedians. So I was like, if the four of us could host it, you know, together on stage in tuxedos, it would be, you know, we we would we would we would have a blast with it. And they, you know, jumped at it and and uh, said yes. And it, so we're all super super excited because it's instead of it just being like, you know, me up there trying to make jokes and trying to keep it fun, it'll be for, you know, pretty legitimate stand-up comedians hanging out all night in front of the audience and having a, having a great time. Sounds fantastic. And look at it this way. That's like a safety net. If something happens to go wrong, yeah. you're not going to get all the blame. Right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> 100%. Well, congratulations, uh, Stephen, on on this wonderful opportunity. It sounds like a a really fun and enjoyable um, award ceremony. Uh, so I want to wish you all the best with it, and I I do hope it goes smoothly Thank for you. you. 
it really it's a it's a it's a great time if you have any interest in you know if anyone has any interest that's listening that wants to go to it if they go to uh, i believe it's familyfilmawards.com they can pick up tickets there and um yeah come down for the for, it's a big you know red carpet and it'll be chock full of celebrity guests from different TV shows and movies. And it's always just like such a treat, you know, looking around and seeing all these fascinating people and um, they'll be on stage and sitting with you throughout the evening. So yeah, it's definitely worth attending. Well, that sounds uh, awesome. And like you just said, uh, thank you for sharing that. It's the family film awards.com. So you can look it up there and get all the information and, and order yourself some tickets. Uh, uh, it sounds like a yeah. great time. Well, uh, yeah, well you know what, that. Stephen, um, often yeah. a good place to start is at the beginning. So if you don't mind, sure. I thought I'd go ahead and ask uh, where you are from. Sure. So I was born in London, Ontario, Canada. Um, my whole family is Canadian. They're all they're all uh, up in the uh, in on the East Coast. And uh, we we moved out to California when I was a, a kid in you know in like the second second or third grade and uh, started going to school you know went to school in in uh, and grew up in San Diego which was um, a, like a, I mean San Diego is a, a gorgeous place to grow up it's such a beautiful place and it was close enough to L A that like you know we we could feel it felt like when I was a kid, Hollywood felt like it was close. Like it didn't feel like it was an impossible thing. It it felt like it was something, you know, that 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 could happen. You know, like getting uh, getting up into the business or going to do stuff. I had no idea, to be honest, what what side of the business I wanted to be on or what I wanted to do. I just knew that I wanted to be in it. Like I remember going to like the like Universal Studios when I was a kid, and they had um, a thing where you could participate. Like you would be on the tram tour, you'd get off, and they would show you four different things that you could participate in. Uh, one of them was being uh, in a space suit, and they'd hang you up in the middle of the air and fly you around. Uh, one of them was being on the ET bicycle and flying, and then they put you into the movie. You know, um, wow. What one of them was being a foley artist like making noises and, you know, for movies and stuff. And then one of them was something else. And I remember thinking that all of the things, all these things were equally very cool. Like I, I, I did not, I thought that I, that anything that you can do in the business would just be the coolest thing possible. And it kind of, it's kind of stayed with me. Like uh, I've worked on a lot of different sides of the industry and no matter which side it is, I'm, I've always really, really enjoyed it and felt like it's, you know, like I get a lot out of it, whatever, whatever part of the business I end up working in that, you know, this week, I'm always really happy about it. So I grew up in, you know, in San Diego doing lots of, live theater and and trying to find my way into the business no matter which side of it it was yes and i uh, really enjoyed listening to your description because uh i completely uh can understand and agree with you uh, the different areas of the industry you don't have to just be in one hey if that's your specialty great but when you uh branch out uh, it can bring a whole new level of artistic ful fulfillment and i'm sure that you experienced that yeah, it, you know, it, it really, there's so many different ways to be fulfilled, to feel fulfilled in this business, I, I think. And, um, you know, I, I think uh, the longer that I've, the longer that I've been in it, the more that that really rings true for me that I, even though I love, you know, I love acting, I, I also love, you know, writing and I love, you know, 
being on a on a set for you know to to uh, like casting stuff and putting things together and hosting a podcast and you know all of that stuff it's all it's all enjoyable absolutely and um i'll tell you what this makes me think of i'm not sure if this is going to surprise you steven but it makes me think of michael landon because when i think back to the episodes of highway to heaven what did you see in the opening credits okay executive producer michael landon directed by michael landon written by michael landon starring michael landon i mean now that's with one project of course but wow oh, yeah talk about oh i love i love michael landon what a great guy wow i'll tell you what when i uh recently i've actually watched some past episodes it's been years yeah, I enjoyed watching it back in the 80s growing up. And I'll just tell you what, now, all these years later, I really appreciate that kind of commitment to uh, to uh, his uh, his vision for the show. I just think that's wonderful. And, and thank you for your description. Yeah. And I came across something interesting about you. So I'll ask you if it's true uh, that you are yeah. a big Star Wars fan and that you've even collected a lot of items pertaining to the movie. Oh, uh, yes, that is very true. I am a big nerd. <laughs> love, <laughs> love Star Wars. Um, Me too. Yeah, for sure. I have uh, a pretty massive collection of Star Wars toys, uh, toys and figures from like the 1980s. It's a lot of, a lot of vintage stuff. Nice. And uh, and then I have all sorts of other. Star Wars stuff, some really, really crazy, uh, really weird stuff too. Like, I my most recent purchase was uh, a uh, the Star Wars cantina table that Lou, that uh, Han Solo sits across from Greedo at the table when he shoots him. That that uh, so the folks over at Lucasfilms made, uh, they had a party at Lucasfilm uh, up at the Skywalker ranch and they, they had like a construction team build out like 30 of these star Wars tables that are full size. They're full size, like set replica tables you know, that they could use for the party. And then after the party, they destroyed all of them uh, or took them home to their houses and some guy uh his his girlfriend uh, told him to get rid of the table and and I, I i caught him and was able to buy it and so it's sitting in my living room so i have a lot of like a lot of wow. weird fun weird pieces that i'm just well you know i think I, that's awesome but I, I i honestly feel like when you're a creative person having creative stuff around you is incredibly helpful. Like I, I, you know, I have to have like toys on my desk and I have to have like, you know, colorful stuff around me. That's fun and weird because it's inspiring, you know, when you're writing yes. and you're, you're trying to make things, you know, Well, I can completely uh, relate to that. And by the way, that is just, that is just amazing that you have that item, um, you know, right? uh, that's a, a, a much higher level than I originally anticipated to hear. Uh, so that is that is wonderful. Uh, but I, too, have uh, you know what? I don't mind saying it. I started collecting uh, the Walking Dead figures. Oh, I have yeah. them in a display. And you know what? It just reminds me how much I enjoy the atmosphere of the show. Um, you know, the, the artistic achievements of the show and, you know, the, the fight for survival and hope. I, I, like, like you just said so well, Stephen, it does inspire you as an individual. Absolutely. People take life, life can be so serious and so full of, of you know, all sorts of ups and downs. And it's like, it's nice to have some thing in your life that kind of keeps things a little light you know like sometimes sometimes it's nice to have that stuff around yes and just just have a good time just enjoy life. yeah because you're right there's a, enough hardship out there already i couldn't uh, yeah a couple with you couple uh, you know a couple action figures never hurt anybody i think it's a <laughs> That's right. yeah i mean I, <laughs> 
That's right. Uh, however, sometimes sometimes my girlfriend will bring a friend over, like a, one of her girlfriends, and they'll come in and go, oh, I didn't know you guys have kids. You know, that, which is a problem. <laughs> She's like, we don't. We, we don't. don't. You're looking at them. <laughs> all them. Yeah. It's one big kid with a beard. Well, you know, I'm one of those uh, interesting individuals, uh, Stephen, uh, probably much like you. On the one hand, I, I try to be very professional and uh, on top of things. But if you flip the coin over, I'm a lot of fun and very playful. Yeah, totally. Oh, that's great. I think that's the way, that's the way to be. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Uh, so uh, your interest in acting sounds like it was already creeping in at that time. Was there a pivotal moment, though, in your life where you're like, yes, this is what I want to do? Um, I, I think the... I mean, you know, the the acting, I, th I think just growing up and doing live theater for such a long time, um, you know, it, it it was always in me that I wanted to be an actor and, and be like a working person. But I think, you know, like, I think once I moved to L.A., I kind of hit, I you know, I, I, I tried to audition for things and do stuff but it just wasn't working very well you know it's a very such a difficult business and I would do some extra work and I got into the union but I couldn't really figure out a way to make it work and uh, and I auditioned for like a million things and like you know nothing was nothing was really working you know very well and so uh I actually uh, started doing stand-up comedy because I didn't really want to do any more live theater, and I had always loved stand-up comedy and had you know so many people that I was a big fan of that were comedians, and um, so I jumped into it and and started doing it every night at all sorts of different bars and clubs, and I you know and at the time I, I worked in a factory during the day out in the valley and uh or you know or a different job you know different crappy jobs i would get fired from constantly sure. and all i would do is is do stand up in the evening and and just try to be good you know and i i really felt a connection with stand up and and still do which is just a place where you can experiment and you can you know try out new you know new things every night and or or you could try it you can you can take a joke and you can you know mold it and get it down to its bare bones and figure out why you think it's funny and then and you know have you know you, the thing the thing with uh acting is is like uh let's say like al pacino right one of one of the greatest actors of our generation the, the possibility that I'm going to be on set working equally in, in any, in any capacity with Al Pacino when I'm, you know, first starting out or, or even, you know, 10 years in it's, it's very unlikely. Like it's a very, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, but with stand up comedy, it, it's not like that. Like, uh, you could be a comedian who's a year into doing stand-up. You could be booked on a show, and Kevin Hart could walk onto the stage and do stand-up ten minutes after you. Like, there's it's not the same rules. So you get to work with your heroes very, very early on. Sometimes a little too early on. They see you before you want them to see you, and and so you got to be good because if you're gonna be performing on the same stage if you're on if you you know if you do the open mic at the comedy store you're you're going up and and performing and then an hour later joe rogan is on the stage and mark Marin and and chris rock you know so um that i found that very very exciting that that i'd be getting a chance to see some of my heroes in person and, and possibly, you know, learn from them. And, uh, and that really helped, you know, that really helped me, um, 
focus hard on being a, a good stand-up, and and that led, uh, honestly, doing stand-up led right back into acting because if you get really good at stand-up comedy, people, the casting directors go, oh God, he's so funny. I wonder if he can act. Let's bring him in. And then, and then you come in and you're great. And they go, where did you learn how to act? You go, I learned how to act first. Like acting has <laughs> been going on forever. This is only recent is the kind of stand-up comedy. So it, that really helped for me. You know, and uh, and it continues to it continues to help, which is uh, like I I do stand up a couple times a week, and it is uh, an incredibly wonderful time. Every even bad shows are great. You know, they're all fun. Well, I've been wanting to uh, have a stand up comedian or an individual who is um, you know skilled or has a lot of experience in that area and to have you be the first person uh, I, I couldn't have asked for a better individual so I want to say thank you for that and also stand-up comedy it really intrigues me because it's like its own universe like like you were just describing the situation so it's kind of surreal in the sense that all of a sudden a big name can come out after you you know, you do your act and it's like the whole mindset is very fascinating to me. And uh, you described it so well. I did want to ask you, though. So, you know, when things don't go well, maybe you've seen this happen with someone else or maybe it happened with you. Um, sure. you know, how do you bounce back? Is there a, a key that it's something's not going right? Is it just a matter of switching gears quickly and not prolonging the agony? Um, or is there an approach that you would take under those circumstances? Well, you know, I, I recently did a, I recently did a show where, uh, the audience just wasn't great. You know, there's about a hundred people in the audience and they just, they just weren't great for some reason it's not not that it was their fault it just was weird something felt weird with this audience and you know everyone was trying different stuff to try to get them and they were laughing like they were having a good time and enjoying the show but people but you could hear comedians throughout the night going this is the weirdest show i don't know why it's so weird but i'm i feel like i've them. this is so weird why are you guys being so weird like you could just feel hear people getting so frustrated with this audience and the thing about it to me that that made me feel so good is that all the comedians were turning to each other and going how weird is this brian isn't this weird why is this so weird brian or like mark are you you know did you feel like this while you were up there? What the hell is going on up there? And it it really hammered it home for me that that when you're doing stand up, um, you know there are times where the you don't even notice the other comedians that you're on the lineup with, and then there are times when it doesn't go well that all you want to do is relate back to the other comedians that are on the same show as you and be like, Oh my God, did you, are you feeling the same way I'm feeling? And you're almost performing for them, for the other comedians. So there's, there's, it's, it's such a camaraderie between people that when it's going great, it's like you've all, you've all worked together to pull off this amazing magic trick that everybody is enjoying. And when it doesn't go great, you're all kind of looking to each other for support, which is, which is very nice. You know, the, that is nice. Because in, in the acting world, when things go well, it's everybody's having a you know, blast. When things don't go well, there's no camaraderie between actors when stuff doesn't go well. It's like, like people start you know blaming each other and you know mm-hmm. no one wants to no one wants to be at fault when there's uh 
when there's a, when you're shooting something and everything sucks, you know, or the sure. energy is not right. It's, it's not, it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same for, for sure. For right. sure. Or like, a lack well, of chemistry, you know, maybe that's unexpected. Yeah. I mean, like, oh, wow, when I shot, work out. You know, like when I worked on the, that I worked on this Nickelodeon show for five years with all these other wonderful people. Yes. And we, we all loved each other and had like a great time doing it. But, you know, the, the, the chemistry that we all had between each other was grown over like a long period of time and, you know, trust was built up and there's a, a connection there. Um, but I could go and do a stand-up show with five other comics that I don't know. And we would all be supporting each other throughout that show because, because it, we're, what we're doing is, you know, crazy. You know, you're, you're getting up without a script in front of a bunch of people you don't know and trying to make them laugh. And if it goes well, great. You know, you, you, you know, if it doesn't go well, then it's, you know, it just feels crazy. It's just a really, it's such a fun business. I love it. No doubt about it. It, it sure is, despite all the many challenges. Um, right. You are, you, you are so correct. And it's that being a part of that artistic family that is, is so uh, meaningful and special. Uh, no yeah. Doubt about it. I did want to ask you, though. So let's take this a step further. We described maybe an off night, which can happen to the best of us, especially live performance, sure. no doubt about it. But what about those that take it a step further? Do you encounter hecklers uh, either you know maybe with other individuals or yourself and you know those that are kind of being mean about it maybe not the more playful ones but let's say they're really just being really uh well for lack of a better word rude um is that sure, yeah. something that you have in, encountered or or seen happen oh of course yeah uh, and heck there's uh different types of hecklers too yeah. um there's the heckler that there's there's three um i think you can categorize it as three different types of hecklers there is the heckler that is mad at you and gets annoyed because you do a joke like let's say you you know let's say um here i'll, I'll do the i'll do a joke well that sure. way you can understand what the, what I mean. So let's say I do a joke where I say, um, uh, every, uh, every couple of weeks on Twitter, um, my Twitter will light up because a DJ, some, some famous DJ has, uh, had an overdose and died. You know, this happens pretty frequently on the internet uh, and people get very sensitive and they go on there and they get so upset and they say, oh my God, this is so sad. A DJ died of an overdose. A DJ died of an overdose. This is so sad. Um, well, that, and I hate to break it to you, that's how DJs die. There's, you know what DJs don't die from? Old age. There you go. Like that, that's the joke. It's just a joke gotcha. saying <laughs> basically that DJs are, I don't know if I'm not trying to use bad language on your show, but DJs are schmucks and they're always dying of drug overdoses and people get so upset. I can't believe it happened. You're like, what are you talking about? That's the, that's the only way they die. They die like that every week. Like it's, this is how they, that's like what they do. That's just what they do. You're like, there's no 95 year old DJ with Alzheimer's forgetting what song to play next. Like there's no DJs that are old. They're all right. dead. And thank God. Uh, well, that, <laughs> I, I see this. That was an excellent example because here's what comes to mind for me. First of all, I get right. it where someone's going to go, man, talk about. Un insensitive but if you really right. pay attention to what you're saying you're just trying to right. point out an obvious uh fact an unfortunate one right. i mean i mean obviously you wouldn't want that to be 
true, but you're trying to say just what you would describe so well. And then that's kind of, you know, that's the kind of biting humor, maybe. That's a phrase I often hear. That, yeah. You know, well, like, look, for, it's not that you're trying to be uh, making fun of people, but hey, you're trying to be no, a little yeah. dangerous with the humor as well. Well, yeah, it's, oh, the same, it's the same thing. Like, there, was, there was a guy a couple weeks ago who had, he had a full body skeleton tattoo. Okay. His face, his arms, everything was covered. We're talking his ears. Everything had been tattooed top head to toe to look like a walking, living skeleton. Okay. And this, this man uh, committed suicide and it was very, very sad. People were very, very upset. And people on Twitter kept going, if only there was a warning sign. Wow. What are you talking about? He's the warning sign. That's it. Right. Like, there's no, it's the most ridiculous. It's, it's the fake, the fake, like, I can't believe a man covered in a skeleton tattoo would die before I do. Like, what are you talking about? Like that, that kind of stuff drives me crazy. And, and so like, let's say I do a joke like that on stage. I, there are three types of people in the audience that could heckle a joke like that. There is the guy in the audience that goes, Hey, that's not cool, man. That's not cool. I love DJ Khaled. Right. Yell something out. I love DJs. You're the worst. You know, they get mad. Mm -hmm. That's, that's, there's only, the only way that you can deal with somebody that gets mad is either ignore them or if you're going to engage with them, you better be good enough to, 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 you better, you better have a lot of belief in the things that you're saying Mm -hmm. and be able to, to hold it up. Because if you're just making like a stupid joke and someone gets mad, then your only response is like, Hey, it's a joke. Come on, relax. But if you have some conviction for the things that you're saying, then hopefully it's an easier uh, thing to get through as far as, you know, because you also have the microphone, like they're, they're just a person talking in the audience, you know? So, I, I don't think it's wrong to engage with with people when when you get heckled, but uh, you know I think you have to really believe in the things that you're saying to to make that work. Because if you don't, then you're just you're just like a sitting duck. You're just waiting to you're just saying something that's like you know then you're just saying it for shock value as opposed to you know really truly feeling those things and they can you know? turn the tables on um, you too and and then sure and then suddenly you have a that's not a good situation either um they yeah, become no, the that, that, <laughs> yeah that could be bad too then there's the yes. then there's the heckler that uh that is too supportive and will say stuff like uh yeah man I got, I'm yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Hell yeah. Yeah. Screw those guys. Like yelling out supportive things, which is also incredibly annoying. Um, those, <laughs> those are both not, not great, uh, to have you, you don't, you don't really want either. And then of course, and this is, I think the overriding one, but every comic has faced it is the person in the audience that thinks you're having a conversation with them and, and they will be, they'll respond to you as if like, I said something (laughs) the other night, like about, uh, uh, like I said, Oh, I, um, uh, I'm out of shape. Um, trying, well, I mean, I'm in, sh- I'm in a shape. I don't know. <laughs> well, it's not a great shape, but I'm in a shape. Um, I'm trying, I'm trying so hard to lose weight. But like this morning I, uh, I hurt myself. 
I injured myself. Um, I pulled a muscle in my leg while I was running in a dream. So that's bad, right? That's not a good sign. It's a solid joke, yes. right? Yes. And so I, I, you do a joke like that, and then someone in the audience goes, yeah, you know, well, you should uh, drink more water. <laughs> You're like, what oh, the, I see what, what you're saying. Talk? That's like, uh, <laughs> that's, that's so kind like, of why what are you, you were uh, intending to have that kind of reaction. <laughs> yeah, where they just kind of go, you should do this. Or I know, oh, I had that happen also. And you're like, what do you, do you think this is a conversation, lady? Like, we don't know each other, you know? And oh. I, with people like that, people who think it's, conversation between you and them where they can yes. talk back and have a full conversation. I, every single time I will call them out in front of the audience and I will, I will make, if I, let's say I do a joke about, you know, old people, you know, or being, being, being older that I'm getting older. I'll say, you know, I'm getting older. It sucks being old. Right. Lady. It's hard, huh? Being old. You think everyone, everyone's excited to talk to you? No one and no one wants to talk to you, you know, or something like that. You know, like just, 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 and they just, they just like clam up, and then the rest of the audience laughs because the rest of the audience knows that this person's doing. That. They can hear this some lady sitting in the middle of the audience talking to me, right. like we're like we're having a conversation. <laughs> They're like, I think they have to. They, uh, they, with hecklers, you, you either make an example of them in front of the whole room and they shut up and stop doing their thing, mm -hmm. or you, um, try to ignore it, you know, Sure. and, and, and try to just keep staying focused and, and doing the act or the, doing the, doing the next thing. It's a. Yeah, hecklers are not not fun. They're not really fun. I'm sure um, people uh, having some drinks and feeling a little uh, extra uh, happy and peppy that probably can be helpful under certain circumstances. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it could also that, be a negative can... under others if uh, have one too many. I'm sure as well. Oh yeah, I mean there are comedy clubs also in in Los Angeles that are. Um, marijuana-friendly comedy clubs. Oh, really? And I was not aware where, of that. Oh, yeah, where people are smoking marijuana in the room while you're on stage. They're smoking four feet away from you. And wow, that that has its own set of problems. They're, I mean, they're wonderful places to perform, but it has its own set of problems because you say, sometimes you do a joke, and then a minute later, they're like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> you're like, they're because they're, <laughs> yeah, they're trying to catch up because they're, they're not, they're having their own things, their own mm -hmm. stuff's going on in their head, you know, or they wow. get caught up. I did a joke once where a guy said, uh, I did it at the beginning of the act. And then when I got off stage, he came up to me and was like, I'm still thinking about that first thing you said. And you're like, I said that 20 minutes ago. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? He's Sometimes catch that, up. that can be difficult. Yeah. Well, well I'll tell you what. But I've enjoyed listening to, to your descriptions uh, very much. And uh, I, I think stand-up uh, comedy is just so much fun. It's like the adventure of, uh, you know, the mind in a, in a humorous way. So you just never know where the comedian's going to take you. And um, Yeah. And I'll tell you what, when I think of uh, comedians who are also actors, like you discussed, uh, makes me think of Richard Pryor and some of those concert films, especially some of those earlier ones. Oh, my goodness. They're just so funny oh. that when I'm watching them, I'm like, just stop, Richard, please. I can't take anymore. You know, I have to oh, hit the pause so button good. because uh, he's just so, so funny and, and edgy, like we discussed as well. I mean, he was probably the master of of that no doubt about it yeah well i really oh, appreciate all this and um i did want to bring up your uh podcast show because i'm uh, obviously yeah. i have my own podcast show <laughs> and yeah. um oh, I, I, this is just so exciting on. for me to speak to another host and 
you're in the industry. So I think that adds another element to it as well. So uh, could you let the folks out there know about your podcast show and, and anything you'd like to say about it? Yeah. So uh, the nighttime show um, is, is a podcast. We record the show in two different ways. Um, About uh, two or three episodes a month, we record the show at Genghis Cohen, the Chinese restaurant on Fairfax and Melrose. Awesome. In the side room there, we'll we'll have celebrity guests come in and we just sit with them and, and eat egg rolls and talk to them about their careers and stuff. And then we also tape the show once a month live at the Improv on Melrose in Hollywood. And uh, we've been doing that just for the past like four months, and four or five months. And it's been a, a phenomenal and incredible experience to record a show live in front of a, a you know, a sold out audience at, at a comedy club. Yes. Just because um, it's, it's me and three other comedians that host the show. So the four of us, there's three of us on stage hosting and then there's one in the audience and uh, one comic with a microphone roaming the audience, taking questions from people. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's so funny having uh, a show like that has given, you know, it gives you a chance. You know how this is like with a podcast, you get to, you get to sit down and chat with people for an extended period of time about all sorts of different fun and interesting things. And it is just a blast. I love it. I mean, I'm, mm-hmm. I've had just a phenomenal time with this uh, thing. And I've gotten to, to talk to some people that I, I never, uh, you know, it's like sometimes you meet someone and you're like, man, what I wouldn't give to to know what I could do with this person. Like I'm such a big fan. Like what do you do? Mm-hmm. Like Marsha Gay Harden, the um, the Oscar winner, yes. she won the Oscar for Pollock. I've mm-hmm. been friends and known I've known her in from around town for about five years, wow. some, something like that. And we've we never had anything to do together. Like I, I went and visited her on the set when they were, and she was shooting Code Black, and we've been to some events where we've spent some time sitting together and chatting and some other stuff. But we, but that's it. That's the end of it. Like there's no, there's nothing else for us really to do together aside from, you know, if we were, I was to get cast, you know, God willing, opposite her on to, to do something. But yes. aside from that, it's very, yeah, very tricky. She's come to see me do stand up, you know. Um, which is amazing. Um, and, uh, and then we do this podcast and we start doing this podcast and I go, Hey, would you, would you do the show? Could we interview for the show? And she was like, uh, yeah, why don't you come over to my house and we'll do the podcast in my living room and we'll have lunch, all of us. And I was like, okay. And so me and the other guys from our show went to her house and we have our own, uh, originally we had like a studio full of gear uh, and then, you know, like a, like a recording studio, but then um, they had some problems. The studio had some technical problems. So we went out and bought all of our own gear. We bought like a soundboard and a, a mixer and microphones and headphones. And, and so that way we have like a mobile podcast so we can go and, to someone's house and record it in their house and it has worked out great because with you know having somebody be comfortable is like the best you know thing you know sure if they can if they can like be chilling out in their own living room they may tell you more interesting stuff than if they're sitting in like a cold you know podcast you know recording studio type thing and, and the micro the giant microphones hanging in front of their face and it's it, it's a, a little more nerve-wracking and uh, than than you know i think our entire recording setup 
cost maybe about six hundred dollars, mm-hmm. and it was it has been great. You know, it's given well, us congratulations. a chance to, to chat uh, people. It's a lot of fun to listen to. I want to encourage my listeners uh, to to definitely give your show a try. And what an outstanding actress um, she is, and that must have been a big time thrill. Um, and uh, wow, well, uh, podcasting I mean, mobile she, unit. <laughs> I mean, she, that sounds like something like I need opened, to invest in. She really she opened the podcast. We asked her. This is this is a very classy, you know, very like a beautiful put together woman. We said, um, "You've lived in New York City and L.A. What's the biggest difference between the two? And she said, "This is how the the podcast opened." She said, uh, well, when I lived in New York, uh, uh, you know, when I li- living here in LA, I look out my window in the morning when I'm having breakfast and I can see the mountain, sometimes deer come down mm-hmm. while I'm having breakfast. Uh, when I lived in New York, every morning when I'd wake up for breakfast, there would be a man sitting in the window across the street from me, naked, masturbating and watching me have breakfast. And he did that every single day that I lived in my apartment in New York City. And at some point I just would wave good morning, like, because it's, because that's how it is out there. Like, you can't. You can't move. Once you're moved mm-hmm. into the apartment, you're you're stuck with the view. There's no, you know, you can't put up a fence. You know, there's <laughs> just there's just this naked man staring at me every morning. It was horrifying. I think I'll take the and LA it, version there if I had to choose. I, I think I'll I'll take that. Yeah, LA version. LA view, version. I take take LA. I'll take LA <laughs> over New York. Yeah. So like. But for her to open with that story was just like, yes. we were like, oh yes. my God, like this is, mm-hmm. this could not be a better situation. So well, yeah, that's I a think, perfect uh, example of what is appealing about podcasts because uh, it's not, I mean, I love traditional radio. Don't get me wrong, but they do have a lot of restrictions at times, like time itself, commercials, uh, censorship. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. With a podcast, you usually right. have uh, all the time you need. You can take a subject and expand it. Uh, you can go in all kinds of directions. And I tell you what, you know this, Stephen. There may be, maybe somebody's actually listening to this, but not realizing the growth of podcast shows is huge. We're talking millions and millions of people listening and i recently discovered that the estimations in a couple years it is even higher so it's a very exciting medium to be a part of um and uh, congratulations on having such a fun and entertaining show such as yours you too you too and thank you for having me on this is very cool Well, you are most welcome, and I have to tell you, I really enjoyed the L.A. Zoo interview, so I would like to recommend that to people. That was just a lot of fun um, uh, being in the the man's office that uh, I I believe he oversaw the the zoo or had an important position. Yeah, the the zoo director. Yeah, John Lewis, the zoo director. We we got to sit with him, and, and, and my favorite thing about that is that we're not like you know we're 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 good guys you know the guy with the host the, the the four of us that host the show but i mean we're not the smartest people on earth one of us one of the guys on the show matt walker is like carnegie mellon graduate super super intelligent mm-hmm. guy but the rest of us are just big dumb kids <laughs> who have you know we we, we want to ask all the 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 questions that people have always wanted to to ask, but would be afraid to ask, you know? So right. like, you know, like what happens to all the poop at the zoo, you know, like where, mm-hmm. how, who, who, or who decides what food they get at the zoo and mm-hmm. what animals had do animals ever, ever, has that animal ever fought another animal in the zoo or, or mm-hmm. what happens if a, 
bear escapes. Like then what happens? You know, like all those stupid things. In the Jurassic that, Park uh, theme. That oh you yeah, the Jurassic there. Park. When are we getting <laughs> Jurassic Park? I was, I was, I would not stop asking him about that because it's, it's really fun. And he was so nice and answered all of our stuff. Like we were, you know, it, like, like we were, you know, a real concern for him. And uh, I, I just love that. I think that that's such a fun time. Um, one of the podcasts, if you get a chance to listen to it, it is a really fascinating uh, interview. We got an interview with Tyler Shields, uh, who is the photographer that shot the photo of Kathy Griffin with the Donald Trump head. Uh, the, the one that, the photo that like went all over the world and was a complete, you know, sc- mm. the, the photo that scared the president's child, like mm. that, that guy, we interviewed him and he walked us through what, the, what, what happened, how it happened, I what see. the repercussions were like, mm. um, what it's like to have the FBI knock on your front door and have them, mm search your house like what you know just the the rundown of what type of effect that had on his life is just fascinating it was a fascinating story well i'm gonna definitely listen to that thank you for suggesting that Um, i'm gonna be listening to a lot of your episodes I, i i hope so i'll be listening to a lot of your episodes as well well, thank you, uh, Stephen. I appreciate that. And I, I have to give my shot at this. Okay, are you ready? For those listening yeah. out there that don't know, if you, you listen to my guest's uh, podcast show, you have a very interesting introduction, don't you? With a man that says, welcome to the nighttime show. He has that <laughs> elevated voice. So I just yeah. wanted to give my crack at it. Oh, that was very good. That was did, very did good. Like that? <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Well, that's okay. that's yeah. Mike Black is our announcer on the show, and he is just, I mean, he's so funny and so loud and big and crazy. I love his and uh, yeah, I, I, I love and adore that well, guy. I hope he gets and to hear sometimes, my version and see what he thinks. I love you. I love your version. Yours is great. <laughs> Yours is great. Well, I want to thank you again for being here today. And, um, you know, Stephen, there's actually so much more to discuss from your career. So, I certainly hope you come back very soon because I would love to. I'd love to come back. We can talk again soon for sure. Absolutely. Um, I will ask you just quickly, although uh, I'll save this mostly for the next time you're here, you got to do uh, the voice of Pigeon Toady and Storks. And I just wanted to ask you quickly the overall experience of, of lending your voice to a feature film. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I think uh, ever since I was a kid and I saw the movie Aladdin, uh, I that was the first time I ever saw a movie where the voiceover person was the you know it was like a famous person doing a voice because before Aladdin, um, like Little Mermaid and um, you know fo- you know Fox and the Hound, all these movies that I grew up on, all these animated movies there was no one knew who anybody was. There was no, it wasn't like, Oh my God, did you hear Shirley Goldblatt is the voice of the, you know, the dog, you know, or the Mm -hmm. voice of the mouse and, you know, and, um, American tale, you know, like no, no one knew who anybody was that was doing, uh, animated movies. It was all, it, it it was not celebrity based at all. It was it was mostly just you know people are voiceover actors. They come in, they do their their stuff, and then Robin Williams comes in and kind of changes the game with uh, Aladdin and blows everybody's mm-hmm. mind. And and just to just as a, a thing to prove that uh, there's uh, like. I I I I'll pay you five bucks if you can name another actor that was in the movie Aladdin with him because it was there. There's some. I mean, there's lots of talented people mm-hmm. that were in that. But it's, well, you know, isn't it interesting? I haven't seen it in years, 
but I should yeah. know the answer to that, and my mind is going blank, except for Robin Williams, of yeah. course. It, so I just lost because, $5. There we go. See, that's what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, it's, it, 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 and, and I mean, that that movie is incredible, and they, there is. are some really, really wonderful, talented people, but um, if you, like, it was uh, Frank Welker was a boo. Frank mm-hmm. Welker who uh, I guess the most, the other big recognizable voice, and that was Gilbert Godfrey was Iago. There the, you go. Yep. It just came back yeah. to me. Yep. Yeah. But like Linda Larkin was princess Jasmine and Scott mm-hmm. Weinger were, uh, was Aladdin. Like that. These, this is not, these, these were just talented voiceover actors who had been in a ton of stuff over the years. And then here comes Robin Williams comes in and just crushes it with this genie voice. And I remember thinking that was so cool and that it was amazing and, uh, and, and so badly wanting to do something like that. And then uh, I started doing, uh, I, I got signed as a voiceover actor uh, about, about 12 years ago and at like a big agency. And I was like, okay, I'll just, you know, stick in there and audition for everything that they have me audition for. And I auditioned like a crazy person. I mean, uh, for <laughs> hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of jobs and didn't book almost anything. And then, um, I got cast in Storks as a, uh, scratch vocalist, which is like the rough draft voice for, um, you know, so they have the animators have something to draw to, and it's just just to get the script out there, just to feel how the the script is working. Like that was that's the way that they do those movies, and so you know to lock the script, they have to have people to do these lines, and and then they give those lines over to the animators, and it helps them decide how to draw the characters and all that kind of stuff. And so I did that for two years on this movie where I would go in at like once a month and record, you know, voiceover with all these wonderful people. Mm-hmm. And then, um, they decided to, to fire most of the, those people and replace them with like big famous celebrity people. And, um, I know there was some pressure to, to get rid of me. And, uh, but, um, I was really lucky uh, that's the only way I can really say it is I was really lucky. I had, uh, Chris DeFaria, the president of the animation department on my, on my side, really wanting me to be in it. And I had, uh, Nick Stoller, the director who, uh, who was, uh, who directed like forgetting Sarah Marshall and, um, all these other wonderful movies. He's a phenomenal director. He, he was, like no this is the guy we need him for this because i was doing really weird voice and it really helped that it was a weird voice and not just like someone's voice because if it had just been like a regular voice you know i think i don't don't think i would have been able to keep my job so well i'm glad um, it worked out for you uh that's it really did yeah it was super super yet but uh it's definitely now on my must-see list and i look forward to um hearing your uh, voice in the uh, film. I would love that. I would love that. I think you'd really enjoy it. It is a very, very sweet movie. And, uh, and it, I, I had a wonderful time doing it. Sounds like it. And I think they made the right choice by keeping you because you're a very talented oh, individual. And, and Stephen, uh, I really mean it. Come back soon. We have so much more to discuss. Absolutely. And we will. We will. Yeah, I will. I will come back soon for sure. Well, wishing you That'd the be best. Great. I already look forward to that. And I want to thank the listeners of Hollywood and Beyond out there. And my guest today, Stephen Kramer Glickman, is proof that while dedication and hard work is very important in, in the industry or anything that you do, don't forget to have some fun, though, along the way. It makes bet. all the difference. Well, this is host Stephen Brittingham. Feeling very grateful to have such wonderful guests like my uh, guest today. I'll see you on another episode of Hollywood and Beyond. Hi, friends and listeners. This is host Stephen Brittingham. 
Do you happen to have a question or a comment for me? Or perhaps you feel that you might make an interesting guest here on Hollywood and Beyond. Whatever your reason may be, please feel free to contact me anytime directly at the show's official email address. That would be hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. That is hollywoodandbeyondshow at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you soon.